This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Video Jump Air Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me, as always, my good friend and co-host, Eric O'Branson. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm surviving. Got a couple of drinks here, ready to talk about some movies or whatever. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's been a busy week. I mean, it was just Father's Day, because, again, we record these out sometimes a few weeks or in advance or whatever. But, um, yeah, it was Father's Day yesterday, and as we were talking about, we both had kind of nice days yesterday visiting visiting yeah, some people safely visiting family yeah safely of course but yeah got to see um the dads so my wife's father and my father and um got to also spend the afternoon hanging out with my my kids so it yeah. was fun we did a, a little of all the father's day celebrating you can you can do i guess but yeah um and then we just wanted to mention a couple things that have been in the news lately that regard to you know films and the kind of stuff that we talk about here on the podcast uh we've unfortunately lost some really great actors uh this week two two well filmmakers i should say two in particular um yeah ian holm sir ian holm uh we've we've lost him unfortunately um he uh yeah see, bilbo baggins himself yeah, bilbo baggins i don't know i mean is that it's funny because when when you lose somebody like ian holm right who mm-hmm. who's been around for so long and has been in so many different films um i mean he was 88 years old uh, and we've actually reviewed a number of films that he was in uh, the fifth element comes mm-hmm. to mind right away uh as father vito cornelius but you know there's is that what you see him as though is, is bilbo baggins from the Lord of the Rings, yeah, and I just because it was such a like important kind of seminal movie, came out like at the right age, and I think that's. But it's certainly not the first thing I ever saw him in. But it's just kind of the thing that he stuck in my mind as being, you know, Bilbo Baggins, which is um, I'm sure true of many people our age. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he's just got his filmography is huge. He's in so many things, and I'm sure. Even prior to um, seeing him in Lord of the Rings, I had seen him in Alien. I had seen him in Time Bandits. I had seen him right. in... Um, I'm trying to think what else. Brazil, I, possibly, I'd even seen before that. Yeah. Uh, I also... I I, I think of um, Existence, the uh, the Cronenberg film, but the one that always sticks in my mind, right. anytime somebody says Ian Holm, was always uh, Sir William Gull from uh, From Hell. Oh, okay. Yep, the Jack the Ripper film, which honestly from two thousand one, which it's um, not honestly. I never thought it's been a great movie. Maybe that's one we can review and, and revisit sometime for the show. Because um, I think I I when this one came out, I kind of got it and uh, Sleepy Hollow confused because it was like oh dark gothic Johnny Depp movies, and now that's yeah all <laughs> we see. But um, yeah, or for a while there, that was all we were seeing. But yeah, his his role in from hell always stuck with me he was very good in that but yeah i just saw just watched aliens recently uh and and forgot somehow forgot he was in that even though he plays such an important role yeah yeah the the android the Mm -hmm. you know um just kind of scrolling through his filmography he's just did so many good things and just even even like in recent years um he had been in oh from hell you mentioned lord of the rings uh garden state the aviator mm-hmm. lord of war um which is one i always kind of liked yep but yeah he's just and then all kinds of stuff on tv too but yeah so it's a, it's a pretty major loss i think this is he was a memorable character actor that um was always always good and stuff and mm-hmm. for some reason he's a you know stuck in my head as bilbo and i think that'll yeah, that'll be the way it always is but <laughs> well but, yeah. and there's another unfortunate uh passing that hollywood saw just the other day and that's the passing of director joel schumacher 
Yeah. Uh, which that was that was a real which, surprise one to me, even though you know. Me maybe, too. And for some reason, I didn't realize that he was as old as he was because he was eighty years old, I believe, when he right he passed. I, I don't know why. I I mean, I guess it makes sense when I start thinking about you know his long career that he would be that old. But um, well, his. It, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just. Gonna I was say, just going to say, he just didn't seem like an old person to me anything i'd ever seen him interviewed on or whatever but right and i mean the the thing that most people bring up when you say joel schumacher are the, the batman films batman forever and batman and robin which are the lesser liked <laughs> of the of the four um it's those it's four funny canon it's batman all films. i've seen anybody refer to is like batman director joel schumacher it's like whoa he's got this huge huge filmography and his batman films are kind of maligned a bit like they I'm not are sure why that's the things that are coming up, but, anyway. but I, I will admit though, just just to, to throw a hat tip out, I have actually always kind of liked Batman Forever. It it Batman and Robin was god awful, but Batman I mean, Forever at least I'll tell you the truth. Kinda I kind of like both of them in in a way, um, but Batman Forever is a little bit more forgettable to me. Batman and Robin is terrible, but it's it's it stays it's, in your mind. It's, pretty yeah pretty pretty memorably bad like yeah but i mean some of his other films though have uh a time to kill the client mm-hmm. uh falling down but if you even go back to the 80s he was he was kind of one of the a brad pack director did saint almost fire and lost boys which is still one of my top yeah lost three boys. favorite vampire movies and flatliners as well so um a, a great great filmmaker you know everybody gets some some hits and misses but overall he had really quite the um, you know, he, he brought us John Grisham movies, he brought us Brat Pack movies, he brought us a Batman movies. And for their times, they, they were uh, influential and they were big films, and some of them still have some power today. So, uh, you know, cheers to yeah, some... to Joel Schumacher. And I uh, there was one of the, the tributes, there's been a number of tributes from people that have worked with him, and it's actually kind of a good segue for the film we're going to be talking about tonight, because one of the actors that worked quite a lot with Joel Schumacher early in their career was Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, but I can guess which one it's going to be. Yeah, and you know, so Kiefer Sutherland from from Lost Boys, um, is and Flatliners and Flatliners is somebody we're actually going to be uh, talking about quite a bit tonight. Um, had you seen the film that we're going to be chatting about this evening? No, this was a first time, which is weird because I remember this being a movie that a lot of people talked about. Yeah, but no, first time for me. Um, and and it's like right in that era of times when I was just like seeing every movie, right? Like in the mid ninety, mid to late nineties, uh, probably you know a few years before I got the job at the video store. But it certainly was something people were talking about around that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, now, first time for me. This is an interesting one because it's categorized as a dark comedy, and uh, that is uh, that's something I want to bring <laughs> up and talk about as we go through the uh, review tonight. So tonight we're going to be discussing the 1996 American somehow dark comedy film Freeway. From executive producer Oliver Stone, meet Vanessa Lutz. The cat drinks milk. I love you so much, Chopper. I love you too, baby. Her dad just doesn't get it. Larry, get your goddamn hands off my anatomy. Her mom is clueless. You don't know nothing about nothing. You don't know a goddamn thing about nothing. And her life is no fairy tale. You having some kind of trouble? This is a story of A, murder. He's a guy that's been killing all them girls on the freeway, Bob. You gonna do sex to me now? B, revenge. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal savior. I want that little monster to pay for this. Right now, we're the best friends you've got. I'm so sure. C. Betrayal. You don't believe we're your friends. I believe you're out to ruin me. D. Survival. Back in the hole, I decided all I need to live was my will. E. All of the above. I had this problem with anger. Put it in. You're a system that lets dangerous, violent thugs be prosecuted as juveniles. Holy shit. Look who got beat with the ugly stick. Keeper Sutherland, Reese Witherspoon, Brooke Shields, Amanda Plummer. Freeway. Why are you doing this? I'm pissed off and the whole world owes me. So this one written and directed by Matthew Bright. And if... You haven't heard that name before. That's because he didn't 
he hasn't done a ton of movies. Uh, he wrote. I mean, he, the, he directed the sequel to this, and then yeah, he did. A there's a sequel to this called Freeway Two: Confessions of a Trick Baby. Uh, otherwise, mm -hmm. he wrote and directed the Ted Bundy movie from 2002, which I think we've mentioned on the show before. Um, I believe we did, yeah. And also directed the 2003 film Tiptoes, which I've read from a couple of different sources is essentially why he doesn't work anymore. Because that movie was apparently <laughs> so... never even heard of it. It's but, Matthew yes. McConaughey and... Uh, I mean, so you're going to think it sounds great. And I don't want to spend too much time on this because we're doing a different movie. But Tiptoes, I just got to mention because it's batshit crazy. I haven't seen it all the way through. But it's got Gary Oldman, Kate Beckinsale, Patricia Arquette, and Matthew McConaughey. So it sounds like it's going to be great just in the cast, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Gary Oldman plays a little person. He plays somebody with dwarfism. Even though they <laughs> had actors in the film that didn't have to pretend, like Peter Dinklage is, yeah. is in it. Um it involves some really weird sexual stuff. Daniel Tosh did a nice rant about this one years ago <laughs> because it's friggin' weird. But Matthew Bright has kind of this... He did. The, he also wrote the movie Gun Crazy, which was somewhat popular in the early 90s. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, he hasn't done a ton of stuff. But this is probably the film that he's most famous for. Um, so to give you a quick synopsis of Freeway... Um, this kind of disturbing, updated version of Little Red Riding Hood stars Reese Witherspoon as an illiterate teenage delinquent Vanessa Lutz, who is abused by her stepfather and her mother, who are both uh, who are both drug addicts. Um, and she's put into a situation where she either goes to foster care or she goes to uh, live with her grandmother after her parents have been arrested. So she goes to grandma's house, and along the way, a car breaks down, and she's picked up by, I love this, Bob Wolverton. <laughs> played yeah. by Kiefer Sutherland. There is, yeah. There is no subtlety at all. There the... is no subtlety <laughs> in this movie. Uh who's a, who's actually a counselor for troubled youth who picks her up on the side of the highway and is much more sinister than he initially seems. So, yeah, this is they don't really hide the fact that this is a uh Little Red Riding Hood update, but it's it's, it's <laughs> not one bit. Not one bit. I mean, and it, starting from the opening credit sequence that is a like rapey comic book version of the Little Red Riding Hood story. Like, but you know, I, I and I want to give Matthew Bright credit here because, like I just mentioned, Tiptoes have had this amazing cast, but the movie's just fucking insane. This has mm. also a really impressive cast. It's, oh, sure I does. Mean, yeah, Kiefer Sutherland. It's got Reese Witherspoon, but this is before she was a name. This was one of her first films. I mean, this is like kind of the movie that made her. In yeah, a lot of ways I think. Right? Plus, it also stars Amanda Plummer and Brooke Shields and a, a number of other people that are supporting cast members that I guarantee you've seen in lots of other movies. Dan Haida. Haida. How yeah. do you say Hedea? Is it yeah, Hedea? You know his name. I mean, you know his face if you if you don't yeah. know who I'm talking about. But yeah. So yeah, the the um. I wanted to talk about a couple of things with this one, and one of them is is that the this Little Red Riding Hood take. It occurred to me rewatching this because I've seen this a few times now, but it occurred to me we don't have a ton of Little Red Riding Hood movies that are like thematic. There's been some attempts at making them right. Was one was yeah. was one with Amanda Siegfried or something a couple years ago? I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe they they've always. I, I feel like there's a a. a slew of low budget like horror movie versions of the story but this is unique because it's not i mean it's certainly horrific at times but it's not a horror movie it's a kind of you know modern i don't know crime adaptation of well <laughs> yeah because essentially what this one does is it takes the little red riding hood story and it it updates it, but that doesn't mean it updates it with a werewolf. You know, it just, it updates it because this Little Red Riding Hood in its essence is about, you know, a, a person of innocence who is in, a, you know, is lost among the wilderness in the wild and they're being seduced by somebody who means to do them harm. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's this movie. And they just kind no, of... I mean, and all the way down to it, I mean, that, and that makes it sound like a very thematic, but all the way down to the story elements, I mean, she's She's on her way to her grandmother's house, and and you know Bob Wolverton picks her yeah. up on the on the on the highway, so yeah, the path through the forest kind of mm -hmm. becomes the freeway here, and uh, yeah, all the way down to you know the ending of the film where we get yeah. 
Bob dressing up as grandma. So, <laughs> right. So yeah, and and Bob is like I mentioned, he's not at all what he what he seemed. Uh, well, he seems creepy from the beginning, and I hate to say this because he's such an amazing actor, but Kiefer Sutherland is always going to play the kind of creepy guy. And it's sad because I've heard in, in like interviews and people that have met him that he's incredibly friendly and very, very nice. But <laughs> I just, he's, I've seen too much. I've seen him in this. I've seen him in Lost yeah. Boys. I've seen him in A Time to Kill where I, I'm just like, sorry, you're you're nuts. I mean, I see Kiefer <laughs> Sutherland on the street. I'm going to run away because bad shit always happens when you see Kiefer Sutherland walking down the street. Yeah, but. something about his performance in this one really, and he's he always, not always, but um, he looks a lot like his father. But the but his but his characters are often not something that I could see Donald Sutherland playing. His early performance before you know Bob becomes real Bob when he's pretending to be a nice guy mm-hmm. um, is the most Kiefer has ever ever reminded me of his dad. Like he just. Is playing Donald Sutherland kind of yeah way. yeah, and I wondered if that was intentional, like, but I don't know. So. Uh, and then some of the some of the other performances in this, and uh, Reese Witherspoon is is a big one in this because again, this is before she is really well known. And mm-hmm. what was your take on on her performance in this? She is fantastic in this movie. She made this movie. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff going on here, mm-hmm. and a lot. And like you said, the the cast is stacked with like talent all the way down um, to people you wouldn't end up recognizing until like a lot later, um, um, like Bokeem Woodmine and Guillermo Diaz and um, Brittany Murphy's in it. Oh um, yeah, yep, Brittany Murphy. But the uh, Reese Witherspoon, I think, carries this whole thing. She's fantastic. This was probably the movie that made her, you know, a quote unquote star. And uh, that's every bit deserved. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, she plays a complicated character, but ends up making her. It's weird because calling her likable is kind of odd because I'm not sure that's. <laughs> but you're rooting for her, that's for sure. Like throughout this whole movie, and she just kind of kicks ass in every way that. <laughs> like, she, she does. Um, I mean, and I think that's it's interesting because in the beginning it has the potential to really go down one one road. No pun intended. Um, yeah. <laughs> it does have direct, it has the potential to do that you know like you're worried about that because it opens up with showing her that like she's illiterate and she's trashy you know by by conventional senses you know mm. loud mouth foul language and she's got this horrible horrible home life you know where like i said her mom's pulling tricks out on the street her stepdad's physically and sexually abusing her um, but none of it's done in a way where it's it's mocking it or making fun of it. it you're not. She's you don't you don't give her like. Pa- you're not patronizing her. The movie doesn't right. patronize her character. It shows that she's she's seen she, more than she is she should at this age. And she is a character that has literally been. Um, <laughs> How did I? How did I say this? Like, literally, has been like raped and shit on her whole life. Like, literally abused physically and sexually by every man that's ever been in her life. Well, except for the boyfriend. It's, he seems like he's a yeah, you know, the exception to that rule. Um, has you know her mother is a prostitute and a drug user and has pretty much put her out on the street to try and you know make money off of her as well. Um, the system is shit on her school. It seems is shitting on her and she still like turns around and like sticks up for herself. And, um, she's actually kind of a character that like rises above all of it. And from, from the get go, the way she kind of deals with the cops. (laughs) Yeah. Um, she is fighting her way out of her you know, kind of socio-economical, socio-economic prison of being, like, poor white trash, as you, you as mm-hmm. you might say. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I, I think she's awesome. She's an awesome character, and she tra- she does transcend that, and she's just, um, turns the table on, on turns the tables on Bob, too, and, and yep. it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, you're rooting for her the whole way, and, like, I'll, she's got moments in this movie that you kind of want to stand up and cheer, because she's just giving people the 10th degree, and, um, yeah, I don't know. I think she's a great character, and then Reese Witherspoon like just played it to the like to perfection in the tone of this movie. It may seem over the top if you just see some clips, but the tone of yeah. this movie is all over the top. Like it's just oh, some of the things um, she yells at people is just absolutely 
it's funny because you've got this little this little girl yeah. essentially right and but like you said it's just kind of like poor white trash type situation but you know it's the little things too like she's cussing out the cops for taking her family away mm-hmm. <laughs> even though they were horribly abusive and she doesn't want that but she's like well now what the fuck am i gonna do right and when she's talking to the police officer about like i don't want to go into foster care because that's terrible i've done that it's bad and she's like why don't i stay with you and you know she like you brought up they show how the system shits on her too yeah you know and so it it's i think it's a it's a poignant film that especially with with some of the um you know current conversations that we're having around the country right now um about yeah. about not just race but but socioeconomic class and 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 the system and how the system treats people um and so this this had some relevancy today definitely some relevancy today um and, yeah, absolutely. And you know, we mentioned Kiefer Sutherland being creepy and how he acted a bit like you know his dad in this, which, which I I can totally <laughs> agree with. Um, but what about him as as a villain in this? And he's a villain in so many things, but yeah, this is one that's um, yet another facet of what kind of villain he can play. What were your thoughts on on his performance? He, yeah, well, his performance is great. Like he's he's a, Kiefer Sutherland's an actor I have a lot of respect for that. I feel like kind of gets sidelined as kind of an eighties. Like he, I think we talked about this when we reviewed young guns, but he gets loop like kind of fit into that, like brat pack um, group of actors. And he's like head, you know, heads above all of these other people that were like associated with that. And I think he continues that um, in this movie and it gives a great performance. However, uh, as a villain, he's just an awful piece of shit essentially who you know just victimizes uh women but when he finally gets somebody who could stick up for himself is literally shitting himself and crying begging for his life mm-hmm. and uh just um and then turns around and uses his you know privileged or higher socioeconomic class in this and i think that's what this this whole movie's about is that sense of like you know um people's class superiority and the way they just kind of like look down on people and the, the public perceptions of people. But um, he does. He uses his, his class position to get back at her via, you know, oh, she's poor white trash. So obviously she's the one that's guilty in this situation, even though I was the one out on the out on the freeway killing all these people. And um, but by the end of the film, everything we found out about Bob Wolverton, we know that he's, you know, not only the freeway murderer, but also the possessor of like a a dungeon of what they called violent child pornography and um like i said no subtlety in this movie whatsoever no and uh and he's got a corpse that he's keeping around his house so um anyway yeah but yeah he's he's just a disgusting uh turd of a person <laughs> like um but in the best way like it, it performance wise he's he's great i mean you you just hate him as much as vanessa does i think well, and, and then after he has his run-in with Vanessa, which, again, doesn't work out too well for him, um, he, he comes back pretty severely disfigured. And one of the things I did like about, again, no subtlety, but even the way he looks after getting out of the hospital, and he's got this permanent kind of rictus on his face, and he's in like a mm-hmm. uh, you know a neck brace and a halo, and he, it almost gives him more of even more wolf-like appearances. Yeah, in, yeah in the, his... like per, the perma smile and the he can't move his head and it almost looks like it's his head's elongated and yeah. So and there's a great line when uh, when he's in a diner and he's also got he's, he's smoking through a trach ring and he's got a voice modulator <laughs> and he's got yep. the all the facial stuff and then the waitress comes by and asks if he needs anything and what is it he orders soup and a fucking straw. Yeah, <laughs> it's just he's so creepy in it. Um, but but yeah, and just, then yeah, the kind of guy that makes your your skin crawl, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then Brooke Shields as his wife. It's a very very small role, mm. but it's I don't know. I it was kind of batshit. Brooke Shields is in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's actually pretty great. I mean, again, she, as a as a total like totally um, unlikable character, but she does a good job with it. And yeah. and then. Um, Amanda Plummer plays uh, Reese Witherspoon's mother, and and we've I think we've had a couple of films we've reviewed too that that she was in, 
Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, and, and she kind of plays crazy fucked up mom pretty well. But we, mm-hmm. we've seen similar things in, like, Pulp Fiction and, you know, with just, like, crazy and fucked up. Uh, but, yeah, pretty Satan's much... Satan's little helper. Yeah, Satan's little helper. Everybody's <laughs> a little off. But um, one of the other things... that the, This movie really surprised the shit out of me, not just with, okay, so you're taking a, a, a well-known fairy tale story and updating it in a realistic way. You've got this amazing cast, and you got music by Danny Elfman. Yeah, and in, in a very, like not quote-unquote Danny Elfman's score, but it's great. Like, yeah, it's... Um, it sounds like it's more, like, rooted in you know, Danny Elfman's, like, you know, Oingo Boingo 80s, you know, rock and roll band type of <laughs> world than it is, like, the work he's done with Tim Burton or, you know, other big-budget movie directors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the themes of this, we've already kind of talked a little bit about about those but what are your thoughts so you know we're watching this now this night movie 1996 and it was considered pretty off the wall then yeah now this um i don't know if you noticed but it does share a producer oliver stone produced the movie Mm -hmm. and um i think this coming off of um you know the the what would have then been recent um natural born killers hype mm-hmm. um i guess three years later but it, it certainly has some similarities there like especially the way that it just doesn't have any subtlety whatsoever i mean natural born killers is that way in a lot of ways however what i felt like is watching freeway is kind of like being stuck in the world of the rodney dangerfield sitcom bit from natural born killers for the entire film in a lot of ways. Now it doesn't have a laugh track and all that, but everything is played to that extent of over the top. Maybe that's a little bit overselling it to, to compare it to that, but no, I could see that's that. where the humor comes from in this movie. And that's why this is a, you know, considered to be a dark comedy, probably like the, one of the darkest comedies I've ever seen, but it's funny. Like there's a lot of laughs in this movie and, and it, it kind of makes you feel <laughs> awful for laughing, but it, it certainly is a funny movie trying to describe to somebody who has not seen the film why or how this film pulls off humor would be very hard. I would just recommend to sit down sit down and watch it and see yeah. what you think yourself. Yeah, because there's like, there's no line. I mean, I mentioned the you know, on a fucking straw line, but there's not yeah. really a lot of lines in here that are like quotable, funny, you know, like like you mentioned Rodney Dangerfield in, in uh natural born killers but you know there's there's no lines like him in caddyshack where it's like oh you buy a hat like this you get a free bowl of soup you know there's nothing like that in this but it, it's very and very a fucking dark. straw no. yeah and a fucking straw um yeah. well played but I, I don't know i mean i don't i don't it's not that kind of a comedy like right it's you this is like some constitution to watch this one in, in some ways and i think especially today which is something i wanted to ask you about which what your thoughts are with the themes in this and the style of humor you know this is 1996 there's a lot of stuff that came out in the late 90s that today would not work culturally yeah this one is a dark comedy that deals with prostitution oh my god just the list of what it deals with (laughs) sexual child sex abuse i mean it just goes on and on um you know serial killing is yep. is it dated? Is it realistic? Is it triggering potentially? What do you think? How how does Freeway, which is a critically acclaimed film beyond us, right? Mm-hmm. Like real real yeah. real critics. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's sitting at seventy seven on Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's it's kind of a little indie film film type thing. But um, what do you think? How does how does Freeway fit into twenty twenty America, or does it? I'm going to guess this movie's a little bit extreme for general audiences in 2020. And the weird thing is, is I don't think it was too extreme for audiences in 1996. Now, it's certainly a, you know, R-rated film. Um, Not something you're going to show to your kids. But for some reason, like, I think people were... Maybe I'm wrong that people were getting it a little more. But, like, this is is obviously played... um, 
and it, where the comedy comes from is it's addressing very serious issues that we have with society um and but it's addressing them by it's it, it's not quite satire i don't know like it, it's, it's not quite satire because it's not silly like it's not making fun of any of this stuff it's definitely taking it all seriously but there's a lot of stuff where you can laugh and maybe it's a little bit of it, a lot of it's uncomfortable laughter but I also think you get kind of drawn into Vanessa's character and kind of her journey and you do start rooting for her in all of this and and that kind of adds to the comic aspect of it I think because she's just I don't know you just want to see her kind of like take a bite out of everybody around her <laughs> and um yeah I, I getting away from the question a little bit but yeah, I think if you play it to people now because it is about some very real world things, it it is potentially triggering at points. Like the conversation that Bob Wolverton yeah. and um, and Vanessa have in the car um, about what what amounts to child sex abuse is is graphic and um, you know doesn't pull any punches. And Obviously, Bob's a total creep, and you, as the viewer, know this by this point because of the what you know what he's asking and how how he's just perseverating. Yeah, I mean, you can you can tell and, he's manipulative because you've already seen that she's not very intelligent and she's very easily swayed and easily manipulated. And there's a bit of a pity on her about that, but you know, it's weird when you watch a movie and you know you see somebody do something dumb. And you go, oh, I hate this character. They're so stupid, you know? Because mm. that's not a smart thing to do. But in this case with her, we're almost like, oh, god damn it, because this is just kind of who she is. Like, you, you've already established that she's not... She hasn't been taught a lot of things properly. You know, a lot well, of it's and she's smart. used to, you know, the men in her life acting like... Being, yeah, being very <laughs> manipulative creeps, and right? stuff. Like, so, yeah. so it's... I'm just saying it's interesting how... In some movies, you'd have a character like her, and it would be almost insulting, like to have somebody that stupid in a movie being represented, right? Um, yeah. But in this case, well, I, it's it's a little different. I think she catches on before she lets him know it too. Like she starts to like I mean, she's trapped in a car with this guy, so I think by the time like he, you know, tells her that you know this, we're gonna go get to this conversation, it's gonna be really uncomfortable for you. Um, I think she already kind of wants out of that conversation, if not out of the car at yeah. that point. But um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a scene that you know I it it it, it would be hard because I'm usually not like you know diving this deep into somebody's personal space that I'm recommending a movie to. Uh, but I would I would just as a general disclaimer throw out there that this would possibly have triggering moments for victims of child abuse and. Um, mm -hmm. you know, especially of the sexual sort, but probably any. Um, but, and here's the big but of it all. It's not played like dark, serious drama. And it's, <laughs> we're just describing these terrible, terrible scenes. But even in its darkest moments, I still don't feel like it's played like, you know, realistic. So... I don't know. I, I think I would hold off saying, you know, trigger warnings on the whole movie just because uh, it's it's almost, and like I said, it's not quite satire, but it's almost farcical at points because it's it's so it's played so on the nose. It, there's no subtlety. It's that's what it is. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to go out on a, a, a limb here and um, just. I don't know. I, I was going to come up with this analogy, and then I realized that it references something that we talked about a few months ago on the show. It's like, uh, you know, when Martin Scorsese said that shit about like how comic book movies are like theme parks, and my mm -hmm. sentiment to it was pretty much like, yeah, they are. So what? Theme parks are fun. So let's stick with movies as theme parks. And if you were going to a theme park <laughs> with somebody that you knew was kind of touch and go on roller coasters, right? And yeah. you see there's a coaster around the around the corner that is like super high super steep has uh, you know two dozen flips and stuff like that and you're zero g for three quarters of the time <laughs> you might tell the person with you who's skittish on roller coasters i don't know if this one's for you 
the riders of this yeah. coaster are expected to have a little bit um, of a certain type of, of constitution to them. Um, so I, I don't think, and, and so going to the movie, I don't think Matthew Bright is expecting his audience here to be squeamish. And right. and that can be a very alienating thing, but some stories are very disturbing. And this is a disturbing update of Little Red Riding Hood. So, um, yeah, I don't know if this and one's for I, everybody. It, I think it depends on your personal constitution. I don't like, I, I kind of feel like we're saying the same thing. I don't know if I could sit down and tell somebody, you should watch this. And if you're triggered, well, here's the justification for why it's okay. No, if you're triggered easily no, by that yeah. stuff, you might want to pass this one up. <laughs> Yeah, no, agreed. Yeah, if that's <laughs> um, if that's a sensitive area, yeah, I mean, you, you don't, and if that's a sensitive area for you, you're probably not going to be yeah. having the laughs. And I, I feel bad because I really, genuinely feel like this is a funny movie, um, in the weirdest way. Like it's almost like yeah, I, but yeah, I no, agree. I, it's I agree. uncomfortable it's, humor. It is. Yeah. It's like you yep. might. I don't even know if I chuckle a lot at it, but it's like. Wow, it's more like one of those like, oh, like yeah, like yeah. You're gonna t- you're gonna top that you know the last scene with this scene now and, and you know keep keep it going. And, it's, uh, and I I don't know if you've seen the episode or will have caught the reference, but it's kind of like the character noob noob on Rick and Morty, where all he says is God damn. I mean that's kind of <laughs> every scene in this movie. Like holy shit, they went there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially the way it just the movie just shits on. Vanessa, our, the main character, Reese Witherspoon's character, and um, and I think that's what makes the endings like the, the the fact that she gets to win, and then it just makes it all work out so well. And it's a, it's such an interesting translation of the Little Red Riding Hood story into like this, you know, urban '90s socio-economic fable, like um, you know about r- how rich people literally get away with murder, and these you know um, people that are victims of abuse and are victims of, um, of, of that society just get shit on and shit on. And, you know, she's, she's accused of murder and put in prison and all this stuff when, when all she tried to do is get a ride to grandma's house, you know, it's like, yeah. Um, and I think it's one of the, like, at the end of the day, although it's an extreme movie and, and it's, it's kind of, it's an interesting watch because, you know, Probably one of the I want to say we talked about dark comedies. This is probably one of the darkest ones I've ever seen, and, and I'm I'm not sure it's going to be topped because of just what what it is and how where the humor comes from. Well, but I, I think, it's yeah. it's also a super poignant commentary on that exact effect. Is the way that that we, um, you know, it's easy to kind of sit, you know, the, the, like this kind of white um, suburban mindset of you know all these you know how you look at people and you know call people you know white trash or anybody anybody that's you can be beneath you and um the way the society just lets people this is very on the nose right so Mm -hmm. wolverton literally gets away with murder um well she you know this this person who really is a victim is uh, thrown in jail and just raked across the coals the whole movie yeah there's I guess to kind of to bounce a little bit out like on some of the the, the awkwardness of the humor in this um, I think a lot of it comes from the random shit like if you really want funny parts in this movie it's some of the random shit Vanessa says to people <laughs> can be legitimately funny um, because she's saying it in this kind of nasally teenage southern accent where she's not, if you were in a room with this person you'd, you'd hate her because she's really obnoxious at times <laughs> but now that you're seeing her full context it makes more sense like when she when she walks into her grandma's house and figures out what's going on and you know and like the whole, like you already kind of mentioned you know where bob's in you know got the nightcap on and he's in the bed and all you see is his eyes and you know, well, the first thing she says to him says, "I'm your granddaughter. I'm here to take care of you forever and ever and ever." Why are you hiding? Here, let me see. You're some big, ugly, fucking teeth you got, Bob. <laughs> you know, that that kind of stuff um, is, you know, God, there's a line too that she says when. 
she sees him in court. Holy shit! Look who got beat with the ugly stick! Is that you, Bob? I can't believe such a teeny wee little gun makes such a big mess out of someone. What of your mind? <laughs> you are so ugly, Bob. You know it's gonna cramp your style with babes, big time. You know that, huh? Especially my little Miss Pris over there. <laughs> and hey, I heard you have one of them big poop bags that's like attached to your body and all your shit comes out like lands in it. You just a big old shit bag, ain't you, Bob? Oh, you just think of me every time you empty that motherfucking thing, motherfucker! Quiet! You don't do yeah, that I mean, in court. Is, <laughs> you know? Right, it just seems like such a shitty thing, right? For somebody, the shitty way for someone to act, but but you have all of her context, and so... Yeah. <laughs> you're, I mean, you're, you're right there with her, like, yeah, fuck you, Bob, and your shit bag. Like, like, <laughs> so, I think yeah. that's what this film does that's genius, is it does. It gets you on that... I, I, it gets you rooting for this person, and it's a person that you yourself, whoever you are watching this movie... If you ran into that person in real life, you would probably dismiss them as, you know, this obnoxious, like you just said, like, person, I, d I don't want to deal with this person. Yeah. But then when you see that, you know, you see them in contact, you get their story, you see their their struggles and all of this stuff, and all of a sudden she's this, she, you know, she's the, the hero of this of this piece, and you are. You're right there with her. You want to yell some shit at Bob in court, and you want to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I guess, you know, I kind of wrap things up here. If you had to give... Freeway grade, which you do. What do you think? Um, I really, really liked this movie, and like, I, I'm gonna go right there with you. This is one that is not for everyone. Like, it's, I'm gonna put it up there with, um, and I, my review wasn't quite as good of, of Natural Born Killers. I think it's been so long, I'm starting to forget what I gave movies we did early in the show, by the way. But, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's got kind of the same vibe there in, in some places. So if you if you can handle the content of that movie, I'd say then you're probably good for Freeway. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, once you get done, like, laughing your way through this movie, I think you kind of feel like you need a shower. But it's, uh, I don't know. I think I think it's genius, like, in a lot of ways. It, it's funny. It's got a lot of, like, um, really... Although, yeah, although it's just, like, right in your face, like, hitting you over the head with the, the hammer. Um, but it does have a lot to say about um, socio socioeconomic dis discrimination and um, kind of the advantages that, you know, rich white people enjoy in this country. And like you said, like, at the beginning of the show, you kind of, you know, tied that to, to what we're dealing with now in 2020. And I think that's still a very strong point. So there's a lot of strong... Uh, points to be made that make this you know a relevant film to this day um the cast is great danny elfman's score is great um i what i put down in my notes is that it's uh it's shocking and weirdly insightful so that sounds like that if you want to take a you know a quote out of my my review there that's the one but um this is a, yeah, I, I say b plus and there's not much i, I i'm not quite gonna go a but it's 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 good and it's something that i feel like people should you know definitely check out it's a memorable 90s film i kind of feel bad i didn't see it in the 90s there there was something that i found really interesting i also wanted to mention um that in in the just the trash mouth talking constant throughout the film which which is again used to show kind of where she's from right not to saying that rich white people mm -hmm. don't swear of course we do you know of course white people everybody fucking swears but the point is that I don't fucking swear. Yeah, I don't fucking swear. The, the my <laughs> point is like how so one of the things I thought was interesting is is her boyfriend is African American. Yet yeah. She says the most racist shit to other black people. And it's Oh yeah, to the cop. To the cop. I mean, it's and it's I remember Sarah and I were sitting here watching it just like, "What?" <laughs> you know. Be, and it, because it's like it's it's an interesting example of how in this case you know the racism isn't really as much racism to her. It's just like eh, here's words I know will hurt you. Yeah, well, and she literally says like, "Oh, I was just saying that to piss you off." Right, and, right. And she, I think I think she's being honest. She was saying that just to piss him off, but you know, I'm not saying it's it's justified, but <laughs> but yeah, it was just I thought that was interesting because she says that like you you mentioned like oh, I was just doing that to piss you off. I'm like, wow, they're even getting you to like a troll 
fuck yeah <laughs> you know uh, i i would yeah, have and... to agree with with pretty much all those sentiments too that the the cast is great it's a story we all know it's little red riding hood but it's set in this very very dark seedy version of society that we don't like to that's not familiar to everybody it's a it's a side we don't want to see hence all the discussions we're having here in 2020 about race and class um but here it is so it's like here's well, we have the luxury of stories about mythical things like werewolves and you know eating grandmother and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, nah, here's the, here's how it would really happen, you know. And yeah. it's uh, so I think it's a very intelligent film. It stylistically, it's very very strange, and I think that's what's going to be off putting to some people is how far they go in in yeah. especially dialogue. I would say, um, yeah, like. Don't get it if anyone's hearing this review and and there are not i think there's one scene in the movie that actually like pushes the child abuse angle well just sexual child abuse angle yeah. and and that's it and, and i think yeah. um, that's the rest of it's it, all yeah. in dialogue the rest of it's dialogue the worst stuff is dialogue um, and, Not and that, that makes it any better for anyone no no it doesn't sometimes that can be worse but i, I think um you know, it it just does a really good job of of making you, and maybe that's kind of the brilliant thing about this this movie is it's making you look at a story you already know, but through a lens that you don't want to look through. You know, nobody would hesitate telling you know like hearing the story of Little Red Riding Hood. That's not like a disturbing story; it's a fairy tale. Well, here's mm. the same story, but in a way you don't want to see it, but it's the same fucking story. And it's not that yeah. unbelievable, right? Like the basic premise is not unbelievable. That you have a young, a, a minor who grows up in an abusive household. Foster care is not a, a viable, good option. And now she's taken advantage of by some of the worst of the upper middle class. No, that's mm-hmm. not a new story. And it's one that people need to hear because it happens all the time. This is doing it in a way that is almost... If it's mocking anything, it's mocking you for being shocked. I guess yeah. there's one way I could yeah. I could think about it. That's the closest. Is it? If it's mocking anybody, it's mocking the audience for being yeah. terribly surprised. Look um, at you with your mouth gaping open. Like, we're, people are living this shit every day, and you're shocked at, like... Exactly. Like, so, with all of that, and, and you know, again, it was... It wasn't a, a huge. It was an indie film, you know. Republic Pictures, I think, it originally was released. It says here June eighth, nineteen ninety six, on HBO, and August twenty third, ninety six, in the theaters. Uh, it only had a three million dollar budget. It didn't do great in the box office. It didn't even make, you know, it made just under three hundred thousand dollars. But yeah, it's it's a classic nineties, edgy as fuck film, and I I think it was a bit of a sleeper. Yeah, hit too. I remember this being yeah. a popular rental movie. Um, yes, even to you know, I don't know if I was working at the video store yet, but like, I remember a lot of people checking this one out for sure. Yeah, I do too. I remember there being a lot of discussion about it. Um, and so I think with all of that, I, I'm I'm going to give this one uh, give it an A minus. So I'm right, kind of right there with you. You said B plus. I'm going to do this an, an A minus. Mm-hmm. I think, and that's just because. Um, and, and I'm totally biased on this. I just love how relevant this movie is right now. Um, and yeah, so so I, I, I think it... But then again, the fact that a movie that came out in 1996 can be incredibly relevant at a very special time in 2020 says something about the way that the film was made. Um, but yeah, yeah, overall, this is this is one I recommend for people that can... Comfort, that to feel comfortable watching it, I would recommend it. Otherwise, you know, if before if you, we, if you have hesitation, be careful. <laughs> yeah. So before we wrap it up, did you happen to have ever seen? There's a sequel to this, I written and directed did not. by Matthew Bright, uh, called Freeway Two: Confessions of a Trick Baby. Uh, I haven't seen it either. I was just curious. I, I, if, uh, I know it is available on Tubi, so check it out if you're if you're feeling up to it. I have not seen it. I'm a little. Uh, reluctant. It does not carry the reputation that this one does. No, no. Um, the, you know, well, then again, I don't think Freeway... <laughs> maybe more like Tiptoes. But... Yeah, well, maybe that's the one, the next one we should watch. We should just go through all of Matthew Bright's work. 
um, <laughs> and, and, and see it for ourselves. But yeah, I, I, I have not seen it. I'm tempted to watch it, but I also know that it's probably going to be like a lot of direct-to-video sequels of the 90s, especially yeah. sequels of sleeper hit indie films. The sequels are yeah, never good. <laughs> the advantage this one has is at least it's written and directed by the same person. So a lot of them weren't like at all. True, but yeah, true. But yeah. but anyway, that is our review of the 1996 film Freeway, starring Kiefer Sutherland and Reese Witherspoon and Brooke Shields. Um, we would love to hear your impressions of this film. Hopefully, you checked it out on Tubi and you've listened to the episode, and uh, hopefully, you got something to say about it. If you'd like to drop us a line, and we really encourage you to do so, please leave any questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms to at uh, Video Junk Pod on Twitter. You can send us an email at Video Podcast at gmail.com or contact us on Facebook at the regular Video Junk Air Podcast Facebook page or the Facebook group. Any message you send us will be happy to read uh, next time we record. And uh, never fear, we will return. I don't have uh, anything on the schedule, but we will be selecting a movie from uh, Tubi, as we have been recently. And um, I, I'm happy picking them from Tubi from the for the near future. So yeah. uh, we'll get something selected, and uh, we usually try to post things the Monday before the show comes out, so you have some time to check out the movie before uh, listening to our discussion. So. Um, we will get uh, pick out something and let you know what it is. And if you have any recommendations, we would love to hear about those too. Again, feel free to send them to any of the aforementioned uh, social media or email platforms. But I want to thank everybody for checking out the Video Junkyard podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. And until next time, this is Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. Have a good night. Good night. My dick may not function, but I have not lost my smile. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast on Twitter at video junk pod and on Instagram as video junkyard podcast. All one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the video junkyard. <laughs>